You're listening to a DM podcast. Just a quick warning, this podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result. Now, having turned my life around, I talk openly to inspirational people about trauma, survival, transformation and hope. I am Russell Manser and this is The Stick Up. Maddie the Jedi Floyd is a professional boxer that's going places. Maddie spends his life and his money in trying to help young kids stay out of trouble with his gym. Maddie is a guy that's, through lived experience, has got a story to tell and is changing the lives of many lost souls in Perth. Maddie Floyd, welcome to the Stick Up. Hey guys, Ross, it was a pleasure to be here. Mate, just tell us, where did it all start? I like to just start at the basics. Where'd you grow up and what was your upbringing like? What led you to go in the direction you did? I grew up in Perth. <clears throat> I grew up all over the place. Yeah, I grew up uh, staying in, you know, probably like heaps of different homes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's all, all over the shop for me. I was always trying to um, hustle, hustle on the street and that, try and make money so I could live with my mum and that, stay with her, look after my family, and um, did, that, did that from home to home. I would stay backwards and forwards with her and then with other people and things like that. I, I believe that you're in foster care or something like that. Is that correct? Yeah, I stayed like with uh, people I'd meet, fam- uh, friends, foster care, foster family. It was, all, it was all over the shop. I, I ran away. I remember running away from uh, the foster. This is why I do a lot of what I do now with the kids now because I remember if you – over here they believe in the system in Perth where um, uh, they, they put you into foster care or you got to do it through the police or through the hospitals or whatever. There's no there's no safe haven. There's no like place where you can just go. So um, when I um, you know would run away, there'd be nowhere to go pretty much. As a kid growing up in that sort of environment, did you feel safe? No, not really. Mm. I um, – when I was about 10, I lived with a foster family um, who back then they got done. It was all over the news back then and that they were known as a big pedophile family where, they, you know, I was the oldest kid there and there was, uh, yeah, there was a few different kids there and that. Okay. Would it be fair to say, uh, did you, uh, were you ever exposed to anything like that, Matty? Like any sort of... They would, um, yeah, I was back then in that in that house. They would make me, um, they would make you like, they would take lots of videos, you know, of you getting naked and get married and like you know like i um you know you could they could be like two or three years old and older being 10 when i was there they'll take videos in bed together and all that sort of stuff crazy did anyone ever check up on you like foster care family services police or anything like that were there any welfare checks to see how you're going no they got done i ran away from there after i was there for several months and they got done maybe a year and a half later yeah i remember seeing it and all that um so nothing no one even knew about it when it happened like with me there, there was nothing like that at all. No, no one even knew, no one, yeah, at all. We used to do heaps of weird stuff. We used to steal heaps of shit from them. We used to go to the markets and, uh, yeah, there was also, yeah. And what they so, do, get you make you stealing stuff and that, did they? Yeah, we used to go to like uh, yeah, the supermarkets and would like find, it was, it was weird. I remember there was this stuff always in trucks and that and um, we'd always um, steal all this like secondhand shit and then would, not, not secondhand but like, um stuff that was always in big boxes that shit that you wouldn't see in the shops like the cheapest sort of quality stuff yeah. and then we'd sell it all at the canning about markets and that yeah tell me this like that exposure 
to as a, as a child uh, getting exposed to sort of that abuse and all that stuff. How did that make you feel? Like back then, I don't know, man. It felt it was weird. I was real scared, man. I was always scared of like when I was a kid. Actually, I was always scared of um the dark. They used to like um tell you stories and things like that, so you end up and like sleep in the bed with them and that. They would. I was always scared of like ghosts and things that I never seen or would happen. But they would um yeah. I was just a very scared, sensitive like kid. So it was weird. I, I don't know how I really felt. It was pretty confusing. You, eventually, you start thinking it's all normal, but um. You're still, like, scared at the same time, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And then what sort of led you to sort of getting into trouble from a young fellow? And what, what, and what was it like? How old were you when you started displaying antisocial behaviour and getting in trouble with the law? Um, fuck. When I was – probably, like, when I was about 13 onwards, a teenager and that, I um I was pretty good at business. Like, I started doing – I learned things from the markets. So even though all these bad things happened, like, when I stayed in foster care or I stayed with this basketball coach as well, I, I'd always learn things, like, you know, like I learned – about Pokemon cards and with the money I made I started buying and selling Pokemon cards when I was 10 and I made good money doing that and then when I was 11 I did the games when you say games what type of games so like all your old school games like back Super Nintendo Sega Atari um, I actually went to Thailand when I was 11 and I bought back all these games Game Boy Advance Game Boy Advance back then when I was a kid things were like a year behind so you could buy Pokemon cards online from America and you get it a year before anyone I did the same with the games I went to a country um, before they even come here. So Game Boy Advance, there's only a couple of games here. I bought back heaps of them. And back then, there was no copy. or well, there isn't any copy against Nintendo. It was just PlayStation. Mm. So I was a very smart kid, always thought outside the box, you know. And I bought Nintendo back here. And I made, I remember, always made, you obviously remember your first big, you know, money that you made. It was 38000 I made when I was 11 Th- years old. 38000 11 years old. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the crime stuff I did, you know, like any crime I committed, I always try to justify. So, like, when I was 13, I remember... To start again because all the money I ever made back then, I'd always give to my mum or my family. Every cent I made was always for them because I always wanted to live with my mum. There was always like, you know, 10 people in their house and she was always stealing shit and it was just wasn't, I could never, it was always on and off having to live there, having to live with other people. So my goal was always make heaps of money, give it to her and hopefully, you know, could live happily ever after. But, um, so as a young kid, all you were really wanting was a nice, good, stable home life. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, it's not much yeah. to one, eh? Not much to one as a kid. Yeah, it wasn't really her fault either. She was, you know, had she's mentally she's sick. That she loved me. She she did everything she could. Mm. She just wasn't a very good crook, and she always, you know, she just didn't have any support. Mm. Um, she was fucked over as well, I guess. And um, yeah, like she was always mentally ill. So it's a hard one. It's hard to talk about because I don't. I still love her, and you know, like I just, I don't blame her. So. That's good, Matty. Where does where do you think your empathy and compassion comes from? Because you obviously demonstrated a lot of empathy and compassion from a young age, and and it'd be fair to say that someone who'd been through what you'd been through at an early stage would could have been how to justify being quite resentful. But you you demonstrated empathy and compassion. You were the opposite. Where did that come from? Huh. I think you're just born with it. I guess um, I've still got it now, and it, it you know it fucking. It fucks you over all the time, but I guess you're just born with it. And no matter how hard people tell you not to and this and that, not trust people, this and that, it's hard to change, isn't it? All I can do is get a little bit better at, at doing it. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess you're just born with it, I yeah. think. Yeah, I don't know. Tell me, when what, did you end up in boys' homes and that at a young age? or No, nah, in high school I did. I went to juvie and that. But um, not in, in primary school, like, um, I was a pretty good, sensitive kid. I, I was, you know, I didn't want to do anything wrong. I was very, like, scared of doing anything wrong. 
even on you know every time I did anything wrong, I was forced to do it. I guess, mm. um, and, and then even when I was forced to any money I made, I turned into something legitimate like the Pokemon cards and the games. Same thing. So I gave all that money away, and then when I was thirteen, I started again. I stayed with good families in high school. Where really. did you meet? Where did you meet the good families? Like they were friends of mates, mates and things like that. Yeah, a couple of real good families. I still catch up now. Still my best mates today. Their families. I still. Um, I remember everything they did. I get, I invite them more to my fights. I get them, you know, looked after table service. I fucking look after them. Or I, I never forget. Always talk to them. Um, I had good families, but I was still doing the same thing, trying to hustle. I, I remember going to Farmer Jack's behind my school in Leeming, and I remember stealing all the chewing gum, like the six packs. I'd steal thirty packets of gum a day, chocolates, whatever, and I'd sell them at the school, fifty cents a packet, whatever. And I built that money, and I remember I always write down everything that I took. Because when I made the money back, so I turned that into games again when I was in high school. I did the games thing again with the money. And then every cent that I made back, I remember going back to Farmer Jack's, for example. And I wouldn't give it back to them, obviously, but the donation boxes, every cent I took, I'd put back in there. That's pretty admirable. And then um, and then I'd start again, you know, I'd start hustling again, still trying to give money to my mom and go back there. And But I had really good families, um, support, and sport saved me as well, you know. You know, do you, would it be fair to say... That your time working in the markets created taught you how to hustle and, and the value of a dollar and wheeling and dealing. Yeah, I think you've got it as well. You're born with it, but um, everything you see, I guess. And yeah, I um, definitely the markets helped a lot, man. Buying and selling. Um, yeah, and it was good fun in them days. Mm. There's there no like internet like these days. You can't really go to the markets or go to garage sales and get good stuff because people just get their phones out now. Mm. Now you got to buy things in bulk from different countries and this and that. But um, back in them days, a lot more fun. Mm. I, um, yeah, it would have been probably from the markets. I guess it's thanks to anything bad that happened to me, I guess, when I was a kid, I learned from it and turned it into something good, you know. Like mm. even the markets, I got that from Bob. Mm. Staying with him, he took me to the markets when I was 10. So that's where I learned all that. Mm. What did you end up going to juvie for? <laughs> um. Yeah, just doing bad. Like I was following, I was only young then. I was um, following other people. I won't say who. I guess mm-hmm. um, I probably can say we we got in trouble for it. Nothing, nothing, nothing can happen now from it. First time I went to do was for my brother. Yeah, we went to the koala storage units, and I was just a, a watch out. I was waiting while he went in there and robbed robbed them, which was pretty retarded. If I go back in time, I was only fifteen, I think cameras everywhere it was fucking pretty stupid but um that's my older brother i guess he's about 15 years older and um yeah we got done for that so pretty serious back then aggravated armed robberies etc so i went to juvie for that and then just um usually for fighting and shit <laughs> what did you what was your experience like at juvie what was it like there yeah they're all right there it was range view um i used to get a lot of fights so by the time i went to juvie i was pretty i went from the same primary school i was a real sensitive kid and then high school i became a fighter, athlete. Well, I was always a fighter when I was born, but I started fighting all the time. So when I got the juvie, I had a bit of a rep already, and so it was all right in there. And then, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad to be to be fair hmm. for me anyway. In the juvie itself, was there any sort of rehabilitation for you? Like, oh, back then, no, nah, back then there wasn't. There's more now in the adult show on that. Hmm. Um, but I don't believe in obviously what I teach here is different to the. Not saying the rehab doesn't work for some people. I don't believe in it personally. I offer different things. So, um, but the rehab when I was in juvie, to be fair, I can't. Um, I don't think there was any. Mm. I don't remember there being any. Mm. Yeah, I don't. In my experience in the juvenile justice system, there wasn't a 
a great deal of rehabilitation trade courses or anything like that was going to send me on a different path. When you're in age, when you do a course and you see, I can't even remember doing it. I remember doing like all the typical uh, AIDS, Hep C thing they do at the start and shit. I can't remember sitting in stuff. Maybe you sit in like class and shit, but I can't remember. Like when you're a teenager, you don't really take that sort of shit in, I guess. Mm. Um, definitely nothing. Like when I got out, it didn't change anything or nothing. At an early age, were you diagnosed with ADD or anything like that? Or I've been diagnosed everything: ADD, OCD, um, anxiety. Hmm. I've been diagnosed everything. I've never slept my whole life. Ever since I was three, I can remember. I haven't been, I haven't slept pretty much. I've been a bad sleeper my whole life, even till now. And that diagnosis, do you ever, <clears throat> with the benefit of hindsight, do you look back on yourself now and you, you sort of look back and go, "Geez, that was my ADD kicking in." Like the AD- I do it a lot. I acknowledge. I'm. I'm now I'm probably for the first time, like in, in, you know, the age I'm at now is when I recognise things and try and understand all that. And um, I've definitely got something wrong in the head. I don't know what it is. I think diagnosis and all that stuff is. Um, I don't really believe in it all so much because I think they just tweak everything. Like all these hundreds different medications, I think they're all the same except a little bit tweaked. Yeah. Um, I think everyone's you know got their problems and some people are just worse than others. It's definitely something going on in my head. I don't know. Like yeah, I don't know if it contributed to my behaviour. I think if anything. It's probably made me who I was and helped, maybe, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think I think ADD, when you apply ADD to a business, you can't fail because you're that obsessed about making it happen. You're on the go. You're making it happen. You're on, you know what I mean? A lot of people go to university to pick up those traits. We got, I've got Because I've got the same thing. I'm a really driven person. There's no doubt you're a driven person because look where you are today. Maddie, I believe, you know, let's let's talk about, you know, um, what had happened. Like, um, I want to talk about how the police used a convicted sex offender to, to set you up. Now, how did that come about? So I was back then, I was um, president of a club over here in WA when I was really young. I, was, I think I was 22 or something, 23 maybe. When we say a club, an outlaw motorcycle club, would it be fair to say? Yeah. 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 We won't name them, but, but yeah. Yes, I always wanted to fight again professionally and, and start doing other things. It wasn't that life wasn't me. It definitely wasn't me. Um, I get on with everyone. And then what happened was obviously I um, while I was doing that, not use is the right word, use the use the club, but I what happened was people would come with you with issues in the area, right? And obviously I hate well everyone hates pedophilia, but I definitely hate it. And things you know, any issue. And a lot of people come to you and say, Oh, you know, this happened or that happened and it could be just someone just trying to get their boyfriend bashed or whatever. So, would you know, I would get the boys to thoroughly invest, you know, investigate, say, oh, yeah, it's a club issue. Would obviously, you know, try and find these pedophiles or people that have done the wrong things and would sort it out. And the coppers, they knew about stuff, but it was, you know, whatever, like some people got pinned, some people didn't. Did they, what, it'd be fair to say they'd turn a blind eye to it or...? No, nah, they'd never turn a blind eye to, to, to me, but they, they would to some things and, and this and that. I think at the time they were turning a blind eye, and then in the end they just used it. Now, what, what, I just want to put things in perspective. I want to, people would come to you as the leader of a club and then they would like, ask, ask you to take care of some things where a, a, a perpetrator had been abusing children and that because they didn't yeah. feel like they were going to get justice through the courts. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. a vigilante, yeah? So, well, yeah, vigilantes, we all know what happens with pedophiles mm. when they're in jail. They get a few months jail. They get looked after, protected in there. They get the best facility in there. Mm. Um, they get the gold treatment. They get out. They get given money 
and they get given homes and they get can do it again. We all know what happens. Everyone in Australia knows nothing will ever change because of the leaders, but um, whatever. So the people need to stand up. Obviously, people have children, this and that. It makes it hard for us, but back then I was a bit younger, a bit more impulsive. And um, I still believe in it today. I just, it's a bit I can't, you know, these days I'm restricted, obviously. But back then, um, yeah, I acted. And, and I know in my heart, no matter what anyone says, what anyone tries to ever say, well, at least as an adult, maybe a teenager, I did wrong things for the wrong reasons. But I know as an adult, especially even when I was in the doing the club stuff, I know for a fact I never did anything. I never hurt any innocent person, man, in my life. And I always anything I ever did, I always made sure it was morally correct before I'd done it. Yeah. And um, I know that for a fact because I'm very, you know, thoughtful about these things. And, and, and yeah, so no one, no, I, ever, I never hurt anyone innocent in my life. I know that for a fact or mm. that I thought was innocent, you know. Yep. Um, but we're doing all these things, which you know I'm proud of. Yep. Proud of the boys. Yeah. So I had a gym back then, Harry's gym I bought, and it was a massive facility. And I had eight bedrooms in the back. And I was taking in ex fighters, ex boxers, whatever people that come out of jail, people on the ice, or any drugs, whatever. Man, ice is a big problem, obviously. And I was trying to get them off the ice, waking up to a beautiful gym every day, and thinking they'll fight again, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was doing this for a lot of boys, a lot of men, and um. Eventually, the coppers, they put this this bloke in the gym. So this guy was a police informant. He'd been done for raping a um, 12-year-old goal, uh, twelve-year-old girl several times that he met at Woolworths. And um, obviously, we didn't know this. Anyway, this guy had to say tra- true tattooed to his eyes, tattoos all over the face. I met him through a friend from another club. This guy goes, mate, you've got to meet this guy. He's the next, said all the right things. He's an ex-boxer, good, good cunt, blah, blah, blah. I met him. Said, yeah, yeah, come, come to the gym, you know. Guy made me laugh. All the boys like this saying off about this bloke, man. But with me, I'm real trusting. Once I like someone, that's it. Um, that's where, I, that's where I fuck up. He was staying with me for about probably six months. You know, met my, met my children, come to my home, ate with my family, spoke to my mum, all sorts of shit. He was a police informant the whole time. The police put him there, told him everything to say, um, and finally one day. I had cameras everywhere at this gym. You could see everything. You could see number plates across the road at Bunnings. It was that clear. And then this day, Simo, one of my mates, one of the boys staying at the gym rings me and he goes, bro, are you with that, Boz? And I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, mate, you need to come to the gym now on your own. And this is when all these boys are running around doing all this stuff, grabbing pedophiles and stuff. So they're a bit dirty that they're doing this stuff and then this is happening, right? So I've gone there on my own and he shows me this big, you know, paperwork. It's like the sex offender pay or whatever his charges were. Mm-hmm. And you could read it all, and I was like, "This has to be a fucking fake, man. It can't be real." I go, "How did you get this?" He's like, "Mate, I don't know. All the footage wasn't working. It was dropped at the front, knocked on the door. Like it was just bizarre." So anyway, I've gone through the footage, and I'm obviously a bit of a hothead, and this is really close now. So all the other things, you know, you think with your head, you don't, you don't really get pinched when you grab these pedophiles, but when you think with your heart, obviously it's a bit different. So I'm going through this, and instead of like just waiting until I seen him, I'm ring him up going off going this can't be fucking real man I've got this paperwork trying to explain you know it to him and he goes I can't remember the conversation exactly but it was along the lines of fucking don't call me a pedophile can't remember you left me by yourself with your daughter my daughter was eight at the time etc so me being the hothead fucking idiot that I am hanging up the phone the next four weeks I was actually getting ready for a fight I'd um gotten away from the whole club stuff on good terms mate so everyone they they want they're all good you know they knew I wanted to pursue being a professional fighter and I was doing all the stuff at the gym so I was leaving on, on good terms 
Uh, Angelo Hyder was at the gym then. Even Danny Green was training at the gym with him then. I had a fight coming up for Ange, finally, which that's another story in itself. Um, and then this happened. So the next four weeks, uh, I'm just looking for this guy. Not eating, sleeping, nothing. Just looking for this guy. Like using all my resources, all my favours, ringing up everyone from every every club, just looking for this bloke. Because he said about, you know, in my head I'm thinking, this guy just saying my daughter, why do you say that? So I'm obsessed. And um, I finally found him. Four weeks later, it was a setup. He was at this house, Stephen Rose's house. Stephen Rose has passed away now, rest in peace. And the whole house was bark blocked. There was all cameras everywhere. It was a program called Blue Iris. So they were what coppers were watching me live. So when I got there, I went there on my own, as I always do. Always rock up on my own. And Stephen Rose answered all of a samurai sword and says, Matty, you're on your own. I'm like, Yeah, of course I am. And I go, let me in, you know what I'm here for. And he's like, Yeah, but just make sure it's just you. I was like, Yep. Opens the door. There's about four or five junkies walking around as usual. He's in the room like half chunked out, gun next to the table. And I um run, grab the gun, chuck it, you know, chuck it away. Grabbed him. He tried to get away from me. I've hit him. He's on the bed. I'm like in the door frame away from him. So for the next half an hour, well, the first thing I said to him, I looked him in the eyes. And I said, what the fuck did you mean, my daughter, cocksucker? And the first thing he said, he looked me in the eyes. He goes, I promise you, the police made me say it, the police, you know. And I knew in his eyes. Whether that was true or not about the place, I didn't know that he was a police informer or that shit yet. But um, I knew in his eyes he was telling the truth. I knew he hadn't done it with my daughter. I could just see it. And I was content with that. So I didn't have to, you know, kill him anymore. Um, but I still wanted to know about this paperwork. Obviously, he'd been living with me, been around the kids. still made me sick. So he's admitted to all that. He's admitted to other stuff. He's admitted to st- his little sister. He's admitted to, like, other crimes uh, with women, all sorts of shit. And every he tried to leave the room a few times, and I, I hit him each time. He tried to leave the room. Nothing, nothing bad. I didn't break nothing. Just kept him in the room. So I got done for keeping him in the room for half an hour. So it was Dep Lib, and also OBH, which is the lowest form of assault. Like didn't break nothing. Maybe had a black eye, can't something like that. And um, and I left, and that was you know. And then I got done. That's what I went to jail for. Five and a half years I got for that. Five and a half years you got sentenced for that. Three and a half for Dep Lib, and then two for the OBH. Cause probably because I was fighting and they tried to bring up the whole president of the club thing, all that shit. Even though on gang crime knew, I was, I'd walked away from all that. They knew all that, but I was about to do, I was doing well. And what gang crime, what the coppers hate, more than a crim or a bikey is a crim that turns a life around and does well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Unfortunately. He got 10, got 10 months, by the way. What did he <laughs> get 10 months for? So he got 10 months or 11 months and he did it in another state. He got protected. He got moved to another state, police protection, whatever, for raping a 12-year-old girlfriend. All the shit that he admitted to me in that room, he couldn't get done for because he was under police protection. So I, that could never get brought up. So that was all I can only talk he about. Got in, he got indemnity against prosecution for anything he committed. Police protection when he admitted them things to me in that room. So he couldn't get done for anything. Why he was a, why he was a police informant for six months, he was, I don't know what. He couldn't commit crimes and that, but he's protected from that sort of shit. And my argument in court was, so he ended up getting 10, 11 months in another state protected because he committed this offence like probably a year or two before I even knew him, mm. the, the 12-year-old girl, right? Is that what – so is it – was he out on bail on that? Is that what he, he was yeah, informant on? That's right, yeah, because he'd been given bail as a police informant to however long ago it was before to give up as many – because he looked the part, to give up as many get as many people as he could so he'd get reduced sentence. So he might have got other people. He might not just got discount for me. I'm unsure. But – I know that he got discount for me. He got discount. So I bashed him or whatever I did to him for something he did before I even knew him and he got a discount mm. <laughs> for that, for me, what I did. So all I did was help him. 
mm. and get him a payout too. He also got a payout for what I did because he, he claimed uh, trauma and mental and all that sort of shit as usual. Wow. So I just want to put that in perspective for the for the listeners to hear. So this guy got out on bail for raping a 12-year-old girl to help the police set up someone else. So pretty much they put a pedophile around children, kids, and their argument in court was, oh, Maddie was the president of a club. He was doing this, doing that. My lawyers are like, you can't just say he was doing all this shit to justify your bad behavior. Where's the charges and proof and this and that? So they're just justifying their own bullshit. They're trying to like say, we knew he was doing this, we knew that, the usual bullshit. So what the police, the message that they were sending right there, and this is what I'm big on, they, they were saying that bikies pose a bigger threat than pedophiles to the community and they were willing to use a pedophile to set up an alleged bikie. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And they didn't care if kids got hurt in the meantime. And that, that was my argument. Wow. Man, people would be shocked at this, this Maddie. And it, and it's be fair to say it's all it's all on public record and everything like that. Yeah, people wouldn't even believe it, but I love showing people the brief. I love going through this for people, you know, like Mm. We don't. We don't get it. They're not gonna like. They'll show me all over the media all fake news. But mm. when all this shit happens, they don't say anything about this. Mm. None of this goes in the media. I love, you know, talking about it, showing people. I'll, I'll go through the brief of anyone. Even my brief on my case now, I'll go through it with anyone mm. that wants to, you know, wants to see it because I'm an open book man. I got nothing to hide. Down the track, I believe the police offered you money to keep quiet about that. Yeah. So when I got out of prison, they offered me money, and obviously I didn't take it because. I wouldn't be able to talk about it right now if I had. Mm. <laughs> and they offered me money when I got out of prison. Different police didn't, didn't agree with the way they dealt with my situation or how I went to jail. The, they, there was other police that didn't agree with all that. Well, they said that. Mm. Anyway, so they are trying to give me like compensation or money or whatever, and I told them to get fucked. And what was the, what was the money for? What were they sort of trying to type, like a media uh, injunction out? Don't talk, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was pretty, I'm pretty scared. No, I'm not scared of anyone, but I'm worried, I guess, about what they can do, what the power they've got. So mm. I didn't really talk about it much for years. But now, because all the shit I'm going through now, I'm saying, you know, talk about it all. Mm. Now, okay, it'd be a good enough time. What are you going through now? So the exact same place, and I've had, you know, these, these people would sit in the room and they'd be like, mate, we'll fucking get you for something. We'll do this, we'll do that, you know, pretty much always, you know, the exact same place that hated me. And it's my own... I wouldn't say my own fault, but I was a fucking idiot when I was young. I was a cheeky cunt. I used to like torment them a bit too, you know, um, which was retarded. If I go back in time, I would have just shut the fuck up. But yeah, I, uh, they, they, the exact same police that got me for the pedophile 10 years ago uh, on me now trying to accuse me of um, drugs when I've never been in trouble with drugs in my life. There's literally no fucking, like literally no evidence against me. The prosecutor, we've got emails to my lawyer I've got the emails, which I can show you. Like, it's literally saying there's no evidence against me whatsoever, except for police tampering with, like, people mm. and, and making shit up. There's literally, like, surveillance, there's this, there's that on me, but not one bit of evidence. There's, not, not, there's nothing against me except for fucking hearsay based on what the police have fucking said. <laughs> and it's the exact same coppers, exact same names as the same coppers that got me for the pedophile 10 years ago. They're trying to get me now. And um, there's a lot of um, my lawyers spoken to a lot of probably police and prosecutors and that, and they they know that it's corruption. What's going on? My my lawyer at the moment, she's an ex prosecutor. She left prosecution because of the corruption. She became a defence lawyer, and and she said to me, she said she hasn't seen as much corruption in that time she was in there. She has in my case right now, and um, 
yeah, she wants to go to eternal fairs and everything on it. Like she can't believe what's happening. Mm. So where's that at? So there's every opportunity to drop these charges, but they're, they're willing to persist. I just they, they asked. They got nine adjournments based on the fact that there's no evidence and they didn't know what to do. And now that the prosecutor was gonna like drop it with the with my lawyer. That's what it looked like. But then he even told my lawyer every time he goes to the police, they're like, "No, nah, we're not. We're not dropping it. We want to keep. You know, even though there's no evidence." So my lawyers just can't understand it. She's getting like um a king's counsel involved now, and she's gone. She's gonna go right on with it now. And what what has that done to you, like mentally and physically? What, what, what has it done? It's limited your boxing career. You can't box because of it. Yeah. So that's another thing, man. The the boxing commission over here, a bunch bunch of dogs themselves. I know half of them, and they used to be a bunch of ice heads and do all the wrong things themselves. They know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's real hard to get told by other men who done bad, you know, shit themselves. You know, they've all got jobs. They're all sitting in their seats. Hmm. And and they're, they're they're telling another man that they can't work, make a living, um, which is fucking wrong. I'm I'm an, in this country. You're supposed to be an innocent man mm. to prove guilty. I said to them a, a year ago when this all started, I was like, mate, I'll show you my fucking brief before the evidence. I'll show you everything. I'll mm. write it all out for you. Do you want me to show you my case? Mm. No problem. There's no evidence. The head of the commission said to me, he goes, mate, I'll be honest with you. The only reason you, this is happening, yeah, is because it was on the on the news, on the media, the police put it on the media and we all know that's the police that put it on the media there's no way anyone could have known there's no way i could have been all over the media unless the fucking police put it there be a question that i guess the viewers or listeners want to hear is like what have they accused you of it's an ongoing a supply or an ongoing supply drugs were found at a house and drugs were found at a house that i've never been to, never heard of in my life didn't even know the fucking guy mm. and they're saying that i'm connected with it somehow i i have something to do with them drugs like they're mine in mm. some way and no, and you weren't caught in possession or anything like that. I think we'd be careful of going into intricacies of the of the case because, but you weren't yeah. caught with anything. And no, nah, no, nah. all right. Nah, nah. Let's Didn't just be careful. Let's be careful here because we're on dangerous ground. But the 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 boxing commission has stopped you fighting until the outcome of, of the court case. Is is that fair? Boxing commission, yeah, say that for now. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. And and I was like, I was you know I was undefeated. Won all my last fights by knockout. Um, I had a regional title coming up, which would have put me top, I think, 30 in the world, Tony said. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's just fucked me, man. It's ruined that. It's my name. You know, half the people at my gym fucking, you know, people look at you differently, I guess. They only go by what they see on the news. Mm. And um, everything, I've had to take a step back from everything, man. You had troubles initially getting your boxing license and your ability to fight, didn't you? Yeah, these guys have stopped me from fighting for fucking that many fucking years, man. It's not funny, man. I should be fucking, I should have had fucking 100 fights by now. Mm. <laughs> that they, they literally, when I got out of jail for the pedophile, first of all, I had to fight to get a working with children's check to do all the shit I do with the kids and that, which is fucking backwards because I'm a protector of children. Mm. And um, so for bashing a pedophile, I can't work with kids. And they wouldn't let me fight for fucking like two and a half, three years. I just want to, can I just stop there for a minute? The charge you had was bashing a pedophile and there's a legislation that stops you from working with kids. People don't comprehend that. Yeah, I had to fight. I had to fight for it for, for, for probably two years. I had to fight. To get – now, a blue – working with children's checks, what's called a blue card, and you it's a, an application you make and you've got to submit your criminal history. You know, a, a lot of blokes that have never ta- had any sexual crimes or anything like that have had a, other crimes against, you know – I know bank robbers. It's very hard for bank robbers to get uh, because it's identified as an uh, as a um, a violent offence. That's crazy. So you get charged with bashing a pedophile, and they make it hard for you. 
to get a working with children's check. Crazy. I had a I had a foster child when when I bashed the pedophile. Mm. I had a, I've got my own children, obviously. I had a foster child, which the government give me. Mm. The government give me a foster child when I was still president of a club, mm. um, and I had them for about six months. And they all they all knew that the coppers knew that, and they still put the pedophile in my house, you know, mm. and um, you know, around my children. Anyway, for for all that, yeah, so I suffered for bashing the pedophile. Not only the five and a half years, which is a ridiculous fucking sentence. You get ten months for fucking raping a kid, and the guy gets five and a half for bashing that cunt for raping that kid. Mm. And then when I get out, yeah, for years I can't work. You know, I have to fight to do what I'm passionate about, which I've done my whole life. Anyway, I've been looking after fucking homeless people since I can remember. Mm. And I don't say this because uh, so everyone thinks, oh, what a good cunt. You know, a good man doesn't talk about what a good man does. But, um, yeah, when I got out, they, yeah, they fucking made life hard for a few years. Couldn't fight. I was getting ready. It was fucking. I got ready for like eight fucking fights. And, um, and it was all, all relying on whether you got approved by the Boxing Commission to fight. Yeah, every single time, man. I sat in front of him eight fucking times. Danny Green come sit with me a few times. Angelo Hyde. I like all big respectful names in the fucking boxing world. Um heavyweight world champion, fucking all big names were all standing up saying, you know, like sitting down with me in these meetings saying, why the fuck can't he fight? Like, look at all the shit he's doing. I remember Danny going off at the commission going, if you can't spend down at his gym one day, seeing what he does with all these, like everything he does, he goes, well, he's walking the walk, you can't talk on the talk. He's haven't even been to his gym and you're telling him he can't fight so he can make a name for these, you know, at least for these kids or fucking for his gym, you know? Mate, you're a dead set legend with your gym. I, you know, let's let's talk about what you do at the gym and 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 what 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 is the purpose of your gym and your focus and 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 you know. I built I built this gym for one purpose. Um, I've done this before. I've always wanted to build like you know like safe places. You know, just away from my house. I mean, I do the same thing from my house. But um, I built the gym to run itself because it's a ma- I wanted a massive killer gym, and obviously it needs to run itself, which it does anyway. So that way I could do. Um, what I do on the side, which is, um, you know, the, the youth work with the kids. Because in the prison, I'll give you an example. I, um, you know, say you train 500 people in there, these violent courses, they're not working in there. Um, I believe this is a different outlet, which gives them structure, gives them routine. They start either working or they might even fight from that. And I think if you get the teenagers, you know, say you got a one out of 500 chance for the adults in prison, which is what it is probably, maybe more. With the teenagers, I always believe that it's, you know, 50-50 if you get them at the right time. Mm. And before the teenagers become crims or make it to prison, it's the time you need to get them because, as you know, once you get to prison, there's, you know, there's only one yeah. that, that comes back if you're lucky. So I try and get them now at a younger age. When I was younger, I tried to, you know, I was doing the adults. Now. I wouldn't, I don't do that anymore. Every if, if, if adults come out of the prison and they come to me and they're doing the right things every day, then I might try and help. But I try and obviously focus on, on the teenagers now because that's what I would have needed. So that's what I do. And they all know that they're all welcome. That's that's what I do. I try and give them structure, routine. I back them. I try and give them advice. I believe in um, find, them finding, helping them find goals instead of going back in the past, worrying about all that shit. I believe they find a goal, move forward. That's what this place is about. I help them try and find that and do that. And you do it all for free, Maddie, without any funding. I won't take a cent, man. I've been offered money. I've been offered money plenty of times for mates, for people. They all do it. When they offer money, they have to do it like for. A, I always say to them each time, I say, "Mate, I don't want any money. If these kids find out I'm fucking doing it for money, they think I'm a fucking fraud." I said, "If you want to help, grab that money, go see them, meet them, and see what they need. They might need shoes, they might need whatever, and fucking do that." But they never can because they need to. They need to make 
do it off their business, write it off their business, whatever. So mm. even that's bullshit. But anyways, no, I would never take a fuck. I would never take a cent, man, ever. Yeah. No matter. It must feel really good because I know I, I know there's one kid there that's went through your gym and you, basically it'd be fair to say you run a program there. Um, it went through and has been successful. And you and you talk about this, and I know you talk about this young bloke with pride, and, you, and he's had a few fights, and he's sort of like a mentor. Talk about this young fella. Um, there's a few. There, obviously, there'd be a few standouts, but we've had we've had several. All right, so we've had several come in. Some have had you know five fights. Now there's one boy. So I think he's had seven, eight fights. Uh, they they say help oh, me with the youth. We've had a lot of boys come here. You know, we've got across the road where there's you know a few of them living in one house now, and um. They start either working, fighting, training people themselves. One of them is running his own little gym in his backyard now. Mm. So um, there's there's a few success stories like that, yeah, which is great. Unfortunately, over the last year since all this has happened, once again, I can't work with kids again, so I'm not allowed to do all that shit right now. Mm. I still fucking obviously do what I can. Um, it's just a lot harder. I can't. I'm not legally allowed to do it anymore right now. Wow, it's crazy. So tell me what what your take is on child safety or child. Sur- What's your take on them? It's fucking shit, man. It's it's shit. You run. A, I remember I ran away from foster care and there was nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Um, my place, they know they can come in. I'll put a fucking mattress in the bathroom if my house is full. I had fucking five five of them living with me before this happened a year ago. Um, I had a few living with me a few months ago, even now. So um, when you're talking them, you're talking about troubled kids, kids that have got nowhere to go, and and you know that are getting in the trouble, and you're offering them a safe place. Yeah. to go to and you've got stipulations and you've got rules in your house. And what are those rules? Can you explain? <laughs> I'm pretty strict, man. They're more scared of me than they're scared of the coppers. I've actually got a funny story for you about, about that. Um, one of the boys, coppers went to his house and they were looking for his uncle. When they grabbed him, they were like, look, man, we can – I think he had like money in his room. <laughs> they're like, look, we can take this money off you because it's, it's over – it was over a grand or whatever the rules are. Was, and they go, we can take this off you. Um, make things hard for you, but we know you train at, at Maddie's gym and, and and with Maddie and that. If you do a statement saying that he's fucking make it, like you know made you push drugs to get this money or anything along those lines, because we know fucking that's what he's doing, we'll, we'll make this go away. We can disappear. You know we don't have to take this money, right? And his mum came out because obviously this kid lived with me for several years, and he's one of my success stories. And his mum's come out and gone, listen, you's are fucked. She's like, he's more scared of Maddie finding out about him having that money than fucking you cunts. Mm. Yeah, well, Maddie will fucking he'll kill him if he mm-hmm. if he found out he, he thought he was doing anything wrong. Use a fuck. He goes that man's done nothing but look after, you know, my child while my husband was in you know prison and things like that. She's like, use a fuck coming to my home like that. He's done nothing but help. Anyway, so I've had a few people come forward and they've done affidavits for me about the malicious prosecution happening. That's just one story. But the whole point is, um, the boys are there are rules. That same boy got into a fight. You know, at Metro's Ferry, and there was about ten of them, and I, I didn't like that man. I was real unhappy, and I wouldn't let him back, and I made him do, I think, suicides at the front for a month. What do you mean suicides, like a burpees or something like that? Or yeah, like you run to the line four or five times, and it's just like hectic, right? It's just mm. shit, man. Like kids so, hate them. Maddie, you bring structure, discipline, and accountability in these kids' life, and obviously you love these kids. You wouldn't be doing it if you didn't love them, and. Um, you're offering these kids something that you sort out your whole life. Exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm looking. I try and do what. Like if you see this gym, it's got a basketball. In the I've ring. been to your gym. It's very impressive. Just can you explain yeah. what you got there? You got games room. You got. Yeah. Can you explain all the stuff you got yeah. there? It's a good enough to be a commercial gym, so it can fund the 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 place, so we can survive, which we're lucky to. Um, 
because of how all the shit we've got. But I've made it as like a place that you know that I would have like everything I do is what I would have wanted. The limousine, picking up the kids. I would want a limo pick me up. I always wanted to drive a limo when I was a kid. You know, you fantasize about all this shit. So you got a limousine that drives around and picks the kids up and bring them to the gym. Yeah, wow. just shit. I pretty much have done everything that I would have wanted when I was a teenager. All these things I fantasized about as a kid. Um, obviously, I did all right. I made you know good moves in Bitcoin and things like that. So I'm happy to do little things like that um, if I can, you know. Um, and and the the police, like even now, these charges they can't touch me. They can't touch nothing. They can't touch any of my, my gym, my assets, nothing because there is nothing on me. Yeah, it's I legitimized. Was, you know, better than anyone. That's the first thing they do is they grab everything if they can. So all these things that I've done is always been, you know, I don't need to explain it to people. I don't need to talk about it. But I'm obviously fucking a smart businessman. And I've I've done all right, and they just can't fuck. They hate it, man. They can't touch it. So, you know. So I I do all this shit now because I think fuck yeah, this is sick, and it might give them. I try and give them inspiration so they they can see that they can do better. Because I was, you know, I always tell them at the start. I go, there's nothing you haven't seen that your parents haven't done or that haven't seen that I haven't fucking seen or been through. I always say I've been through a hundred times worse than you, and look at me. So, you just can fucking all do the same, you know. That's leading by example. There's big problems out in Alice Springs as with crime. There's big problems in North Queensland with crime. Like, what? Do you, what's your suggestion for that? They've got these programs with the adults, I guess, and and these these violent programs. These adults they keep going in, in and out, in and out. Nothing helps. So, I've seen it work. My program with a couple. So, I think if you give them these kids, this, this what I'm doing to these kids in Alice Springs, it's a different outlet. I think it's the outlet they need. They need someone like you know, like like me or lived experience. Or, that understands that being through done all the shit they're doing whatever seen all the shit they've seen mm. and then we try and offer what we fucking know we would need a man if I had some cunt like me fucking come to me when I was a teenager man fuck mm. like my life would be I would have been world champion at fucking 18 mm. that's crazy Matty when you're passionate about this and you've got how frustrating is it when you've got something that you know that works and you're getting like obviously look AFL clubs even come to your gym, don't they? Come and train. You've got certain high-profile AFL players that come to your gym. You don't have yeah. to say who they are, but you know what I mean? But they come to your gym and train. They say it's good enough to train, and I think they're very encouraging of what you do. They know they notice what you do. They um, they all help, man. If, if I When I was doing the programs, they would come down, kick the footy with them, uh, watch what we do. They'll even jump in there with them. Um, I've had a few boys jump in, spar with them. They, 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 they're definitely very... A lot, of, yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of them come to use the gym, train at the gym anyway, and a lot of them come for that, just for that, yeah. to help the kids. Now, and uh, we're all about that, man. I'm all about people following and trying to do the same thing and building. You can only build, you know, a good relationship one of the two of these at a time, you know. And my whole thing is, you know, I've got so I get thirty or forty. Of them. I need these AFL players and whoever else to come in and try and take on one of them or two of them. You know, just message them here and there, mm. and this, that's what it's about. It's funny. The moment I've been to your gym, and the mum and dads love you. Your mum and dads love you. They wrap you up and think you're the best things that slice bread. How frustrating is it when you're not getting supported by, like, the officials? Yeah, it's getting past the frustration point. It's got to the point where I feel like I'm living in a fucking bad nightmare, man. It's, it's gone way past the frustration point, man. I, I don't even know where it, like, um I've always had a sleep problem, and it's obviously a lot worse now. Um, some days you just don't know what the fuck's going on, man. Like, every day I feel like... Um, that is going to set me up again. And have you ever thought of just giving it away and just? Yeah, man, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah all the time. Oh, I hope you don't, mate, because there's a lot of kids, and I, I would have, mate, I would have. I know as a troubled kid myself, I would have responded to your program. So your program is built for a kid like me. 
You know what I mean? And I could have saved me 23 years of prison and many others. I have no doubt. It's like, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that structure is what kids need and that discipline. And they need someone like yourself to show a bit of an interest in them kids because obviously, you know, there's no doubt. And I've seen you. I've seen you in action with them kids and how they respond to you in your gym and they love you, mate. They love you because you're that role model and, and, and that father figure to a lot of those kids that them kids are long for. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I appreciate all that. I um, Yeah, I mean, I have days, you know, where it's like even today, man, like, fuck, I'll never stop, man. I'll say that, you know, when I'm feeling like this that I will, but I'll always, no matter what, like I'll say, yeah, that's it, I'm done. And then some mum, like some mum come a couple of days ago when I was having a bad day uh, from Rockingham. She bought this 10-year-old boy that, that needed me and she's like, she was crying. She was like, man, she, he just needed to talk to you because he's, he's not even in school at the moment. He's a troubled kid anyway. And, um, that brought me back again, you know. I was like, yeah, fuck, I can't stop, you know. I'll, I'll say when I'm down in the dumps that I'm fucking over it, this and that, but if someone comes, you know, if they're there, I'll, I'm always going to be there for them and help and I'll never turn my back on anyone, so. Mate, that's amazing. But this is so frustrating because all of these leaders are looking for, everyone's jumping down up and they're about these, and he, he, here you are, here's, the, here's a big answer to the problem. And it's the same people that are screaming blue murder about child crime that are attacking you. I was talking to my mate Gary Rogers. He he just got he just he just did a couple of years jail for no reason, and he he, he just got out the other day. We're actually saying um, he was saying, yeah, we, we're always you know we're sitting down, we're talking, but it's like it's fucked how. Can I just clarify who Gary Rogers? is? He's a lawyer, yeah. Yeah, he's been a lawyer for like forty years. One of the best lawyers in Perth. He's a good mate of mine. Um, he just did a couple of years jail. He just beat it yesterday. Which and when you say he got found not guilty, he got cleared of all charges. Cleared of all charges, yeah. And he, um, me and him, would sit down all the time, have these conversations about. It. I mean, he he's been a lawyer forty years, so he said, "Mate, I've seen that many people go to jail, do remand, all over the news, like myself. And then when it's thrown out and cleared, no apology. That's it. You just no compensation for your legal fees. Now I will get compensation. I'll get a big payout because um, of the corruption involved. Malicious and, and prosecution. Yeah. Happened to me. There's been it's been literally based on no evidence. What's happened to me? So I'll definitely get a payout. There's only been a couple others to get payouts, but I've been mm. told like I'm definitely. But my I want to make this clear. My payout that I get, I'm not taking a cent. I was going to put it towards the fight against police corruption. Every cent I get, but I'm going to give it all to what I've done my whole life, which is to the homeless. Mm. So that's when I say something. Everyone that knows me knows I'll do that. So whether it's millions of dollars or whatever, that's going straight to the homeless when mm. that happens. Me and Gary were talking uh, the other day, and he's like, "Yeah, man, it's fucked." Like. It happens. You get jail this night. Like I'll get say I'll go to jail tomorrow for twenty years. Something I didn't do. People will say in a week's time, "Fuck that was fuck." What happened to Maddie in five years' time? Remember what happened to Maddie? It was fuck. But the world moves on. It has to. Mm. And I'm just sitting in there, right? And um, the world moves on, and and it happens all the time. Ain't we can fucking do except talk about it right now? Like me and Gary were saying, like, what can we do except talk about it and tell a few other people? Yeah. Um, the world moves on because nothing changes. Nothing changes with with police corruption I guess with the pedophilia stuff with all, all sorts of shit everyone complains everyone knows what's happening we all know but fuck nothing nothing changes I guess people need to talk about it more maybe step up maybe maybe yeah. I Some, this, this whole conversation would sound surreal to the average law abiding good Samaritan that believes everything they they watch on the news or listen on the radio but it's real it's all documented it's like them to come see me at my gym, anyone can come see me whenever they want, and I'll fucking show them. I'll all show right. them. Mate, I'm really, like, I think I can apologise to all them, pe- them parents 
that have that kid that's struggling? How, like, how do we get in contact with you? Follow you on Instagram and tell Yeah, Maddie, Maddie the Jedi Floyd, <laughs> boxing, my boxing name. And everyone knows what the gym is. Anyone can contact me. If, if yeah, anyone messages me on Instagram, I'll give them my number, whatever. M-A-T-T-Y, then the Jedi, Star Wars, Floyd. Mate, you're the guy that should be lecturing at these at these conventions. We all the neighbourhoods get together and the coppers get together and they have this attitude, well, let's just lock them all up and punish them and bash them and all that sort of stuff. That shit don't work. I was one of those kids that they tried that shit on, you know, and someone, it's really sad, someone like you comes up with a winning formula and you just get persecuted. It's crazy and it's got to stop. And I think, you know, hopefully this podcast today can draw some attention uh, to to that, and hopefully we can get a bit of uh, a bit of peace for you, brother. Yeah, that will. Um, yeah, that's good. I guess. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can only just we can only try, and that's that whole thing. Once again, Maddie Floyd, thank you for being on the Stick Up Podcast. Thanks for having me, Russell.